What's going on, Canes fans? We are back. Another exciting episode of All Canes Radio Podcast. I'm Brian Manuel, one of your co-hosts. So the next to the, uh, it looks a little grouchy today. I don't know if it's the rain or the weather, but uh, definitely the weather. Mr. All Canes himself, Harry, man, what's going on? You, you all right? I'm doing well. It's Father's Day week. Got a little, ec- a little extra action. You know, people coming in and taking care of their dads or granddads or the father in their life. And uh, we've got some stuff for him. Are you expecting like some 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 good gifts this week? Is is that why you're saying it? Well, I hope I get a, at least one or two. Actually, I picked one of them out. One of these new shirts we got with the fish on the back of it. Pretty cool. A fish on the back of it. Deep sea fish. You know, it's that, got a it's got a dolphin. Sounds very much like you. Well, it's just you know the, the water. You know, we're in yeah. South Florida. We got to enjoy that. I, I I never go in the water. I can't swim. So how does how does it like in the water? You go on boats? Is that what it is? No, you go on boats. Yeah, <laughs> you can't swim. <laughs> Give me a break. Uh, hey, listen, I'm I'm saying so. Platten will be uh, joining us. You know, maybe five. He, he's doing lawyering things. Maybe ten minutes. He's got another. You know, couple of big jobs and stuff like that. But you know, he'll he'll join us in a little bit. Mister Pro Canes himself. Today we are joined by one of my former teammates. The gunslinger himself, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the man, the myth, the legend, Brock Berlin, quarterback from 2002 to 2004. Brock, my brother, how you doing? I'm doing good, buddy. Good to see you, man. Man, you look good over there, man. You have an age one bit, just a little, you know, a little facial hair got a little gray, but you look the same. Hey, there's a lot of gray in here, brother. A lot of gray. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, gray nowadays, I feel like women love that, like, salt, pepper type look, you know, so you pull it off very well. That's right. That's right. Keep keep telling me that, man. There you go, man. I got to pump up that head, right? That's right. <laughs> Brock, we really appreciate you people, taking the time. Brock, I tell people all the time, I don't care what color my hair is as long as I have it. That's it, man. Hey, you got it. You're doing good, right? Brock, man, what are you up to these ni- nowadays? Man, just back home in Louisiana, working, uh, doing some uh, medical device sales now, and uh, raising kids. Got three kids, um, two girls and a boy. And uh, they keep me busy, man. Coach, coaching my little guys, teams, whatever sport it is we're playing. Right now it's baseball. Um, but just staying busy and enjoying life. That's what I like to hear. You know what I'm saying? Medical sales. I, wait, is that a quarterback's thing? Because I feel like Kyle Wright is a medical sales as well. Did he get that from you? No. I, you know, and I, <clears throat> he's with another company. Um, I'm not, I can't remember the name of the company he's with, but – I don't know. It's just kind of one of those one of those gigs that uh, felt like it fit, and uh, been working with them now for quite some time. So it's going good. That's what's up. Congrats. I feel like quarterbacks is either we play golf and we're medical sales. Former Miami Hurricanes. That's the two things that we do as quarterbacks. <laughs> that's right. You got to be able to play golf. You on platin? Can we hear you? You good? Mike check. Mike check. There we oh, go. Oh, there he is. Do, do you find yourself like do, do people recognize you out there, Brock? I mean, you know, maybe in your hometown, obviously, or do you get some Gator fans ever that you got to sell something to and you can talk a little smack? Does that stuff come up on occasion? Fortunately, there's uh, no Gator fans around here. That's good. Um, we don't have to deal with all that, um, <laughs> but we do have to. But we do have to deal with all these LSU people. And that's, I don't know. I don't know if that's uh, better or worse. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, they, I, I get a lot of heck from, from them, obviously, for not, for not going to LSU. Um, but uh, it's all good. Let's, say, let's take it back, actually. You mentioned the Gators. You know, you coming out of uh, Evangela Christian in uh, Louisiana, 45-0 and 0 as a starter, three state championships, Gatorade Player of the Year, and all, you know, All-American. You had your pick of the litter when it came to colleges. 
you know, you you spurned the, the hometown team, Louisiana. You picked Florida. It's all right. We're not going to say anything bad about them because you, you finally got to your senses and came to Miami. Took them a minute. You, you know, why why Florida? And kind of take me through the um, the journey you had at Florida. Well, big reason coming out, um, out of high school. Number one, you know, obviously LSU. I grew up watching LSU. Um, had a lot of friends there. But they were pretty bad at the time. That, that was back um, in the day where they were struggling to find a W. And uh, so they just they, – they, they, were, they were kind of in a bad place at that time. And, you know, that was, that was in the glory days with Spurrier at Florida, back in the fun and gun. And, and for me, as a high school quarterback coming out, that, you know, we're throwing it 50 times a game. And that was kind of at the beginning stages of all this um, spread, you know, type offense. And um, so that was really what intrigued me uh, coming out was, was Spurrier's offense. And, and that was them coming off. Um, you know, they had just won that national championship a couple of years prior um, with Werfel. And it was just a, you know, it was an offense that I felt like, you know, fit in well. And, uh, you know, went down there and things didn't work exactly the way that I thought. But but all things work, work out, you know, the way we want them to in the end. And, and so um, I was able to get to the right place. It just took me a little while. The you. How, how did that decision, did, did the University of Miami approach you? Did, uh, you know, how did it work back then? There was no transfer portal. Uh, there was none of the stuff going on now. How did it, how did it actually, how did you end up at Miami? Did, did Coach Coker uh, call you? Who, who reached out to whom first? Yeah, you know, so, so, I, so I knew Coach Coker and, 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 uh, um, from the recruiting process, you know, just when I was coming out, um, and, uh, and so I, I actually contacted them. It was kind of a, once I got the release and they said, Hey, you can talk with anybody. Um, I was able to contact him and, and, you know, just kind of talk and, you know, see kind of, you know, if there was an opportunity there. Um, and then I ended up meeting up with, with Dan Werner, who was our, um, my quarterback's coach at the time and turned into offense coordinator after Chud left. Um, and uh, we actually met um, and we sat down in a, in a, uh, a Denny's uh, restaurant until <laughs> two dining. in the morning. I mean, we sat there, we were drawing plays on, on, on napkins um, and uh, right outside of Gainesville. Um, I think it was in Ocala is what we did. Um, I mean, that is and, fine uh, dining anyway, we, for Gainesville. Let's just call it what it is. <laughs> yeah. What's that? That's that's fine dining for Gainesville. Let's just call it what it is. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, that's that's, that's five star. That's five star. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, so it just it, it was a it it was something that you know you just kind of sometimes you just know in your gut it's a it's a it's a good fit. Um, and uh, you know, I knew I was going to have to sit out a year. Obviously, Ken. <clears throat> was going into his senior year um, and there was going to be an opportunity for somebody to come in and compete for the job. Um, and so I knew that would, that would be a, you know, a place to come in and, and compete, not only to compete, but, but, you know, <clears throat> to be able to play at a, at a place that you're going to contend for a national championship and, and um, you know, growing up being a huge football fan, University of Miami, you know, the tradition, you know, you know, it's quarterback, you, you know, all the things, um, that, that you know Miami represents and and so it was just a great opportunity and and I was grateful that they gave it to me 
So let's let's take it back. You know, you, you you come in, you have to sit out a year. Ken Dorsey's the quarterback. It's it's a funny story. I was recruited this game. Did you travel? Because I know a lot. Not not everybody travels on the travel squad. Did you travel up with Miami to Florida the year you had to sit out? No, they didn't. Ah. Let me. I don't know. But they, they, I can't remember that. I can't remember exactly why they wouldn't let me. Uh, there was some some rule or whatnot. But I remember <clears throat> it was a big group of us just sitting there watching the game. Somebody's house. I can't remember who, where it was. But um, no, I didn't. I didn't get to make it that game. I would have loved to hear the story on that because I just wanted to hear like what was going through your mind as you're walking in there with the though because it was a white jersey that day with green bottoms I believe yep. on the other sideline and they absolutely destroyed the Gators. I was there and I'll oh, never yeah. forget leaving uh, uh, Florida Stadium and walking out and I'm not kidding you I'm walking out of the stadium and I'm looking you know there's that like Main Street where they had the bars or whatever right outside the stadium there's mm-hmm. a bar on fire. After we won that game, and I'm like, "All right, really? we're good. Yeah, we're good to go." Like, <laughs> wow, that, that's my night yeah. right there. I don't have to do anything else. We kicked their ass, and we got a bar on fire. Perfect. But yeah. uh, <laughs> everything, everything's going, everything's going up in smoke now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love it. So you sat out the year. You know, Ken Dorsey. You know, is known as one of the smartest <clears throat> quarterbacks ever to come through the U. Won a national championship the year before you came in. You know, what exactly did you, you know, you learned from Ken Dorsey and how did he help you going into you becoming a starter the very next year? Yeah, I learned a lot from Ken. You know, I think that was probably one of the biggest things that I took away from from him was just his preparation. Um, and I was able to just kind of, you know, kind of follow him around that whole year um, and really just kind of watch the way that, that he prepared for games for practices for you know just just uh you know for somebody like him that that had the the knowledge of that offense being you know in it for you know the last four years um and you know it was he was a wealth of knowledge you know i asked a lot of questions um and and just pulled as much from him as i could um while he was there and, and he really helped me tremendously um that year, and then even after when he was gone, Ken was always a resource for me and, and somebody that I could talk to, um, no matter what was going on. I, I, we got to get into that 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 first game, right? I mean, you're you you win the starting job, I guess. How satisfying was that? You win the starting job. Um, how stiff was that competition? Uh, you were competing against uh, Derek Crudup at the time, right? Uh, how stiff was that competition, and how was it as a team? And Brian, I'm sure, can attest to this. I mean, you, you come in, a transferred Crudup had been there for quite a few years. What what was that atmosphere like? You got, uh, you got uh, the stud freshman too now that everyone's talking about Kyle Wright. So right. you got to hear that buzz as well. Yeah, you know. For me, it was more, you know, come in and prove yourself, you know, every single day. You know, being a transfer guy, you know, at that time, that was before transfer was a popular thing. Now it's everybody transfers, you know. it's a, it, it, At that time, it, it was not popular. Um, and not only you were just transferring, but you're transferring from, you know, I, I didn't realize the hatred, how bad it was, too, when I got down to Miami, how bad Miami hated Florida, you know, um, and which, you know, it's awesome, right? Uh, but but, but the thing for me was was come in, prove yourself every day, you know, whether it be in the weight room, on the practice field, whatever you're doing, 
and and um and that was that was something that that um you know i really you know took pride in was was every single day showing up and and um and just competing and and so i think to, to answer your question um it started you know when i first got there and arrived on campus and just proved to the guys that, that i was a part of this team um and was going to do whatever it took to, to help this team out uh, when it came to time to compete uh that, you know that year um i was obviously super excited um having to sit out a year was 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 really tough um but i learned a lot and and for me it wasn't it wasn't as much me going out and competing against Derek Crudup every day it was more going out and you know putting together you know a good day a good practice and you start stacking good practices up um, and, I, and I felt really good about it. I felt like I really stacked a lot of good spring practices up. And it wasn't just those 15 practices or whatever it was. It was the off season. It was the, it was the weight room. It was, it was um, showing your leadership throughout the team. Um, and, uh, and so when Coach Coker did finally, you know, name me the starter, I was, I was fired up, but, but ready to get, get started for that next season. All right, so boom, you're the starter. All right, look, we, we know people always say during the season, I don't look at the schedule. I don't. It's one game at a time, but come on. We're playing Louisiana yeah. Tech, and then the second game that you're going to be the starter is home versus yeah. your former team, Florida Gators. And Louisiana Tech is, going, is, is against where he's from, right? Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Did you yeah. schedule watch? Did you, did you overlook <laughs> Louisiana Tech and was just like, hey, I just can't wait to get this Florida week? Or did you know, hey, uh, I'm really going to take Louisiana Tech serious? You know, for me, it wasn't as much about tech. I mean, we were way better at tech. I mean, let's be honest with each other. I mean, they were, they were, they were tech, right? And and we we shouldn't have any problems with them. I mean, um, the best player was the kicker, right, Scobie? That's right. That's right. I mean, come on, maybe the punter. Um, but but you know, I think that that uh, going back home, you know, and and just it, it was kind of it was almost, you know, the way that the story worked to go back home for my first start as, as Miami, uh, as a starter, you know, for it to be in my hometown, that was crazy. How could it even happen that way? Um, so that, that part was exciting. Um, but obviously you're already kind of looking into that next game, like, because I knew, you know, that, that next, that next game was, was going to be the one that, um, that, that everybody's fired up about and, and, um, golly, what a game it was. Yeah, so let's get into that game because, honestly, it's one of the best comebacks uh, in history of uh, Miami football, I would say. You know, my second my second game ever as a Kane as well, first home game. You know, you're excited. You go out there. It's your own team, and we lay an egg. Then we get oh, yeah. into halftime. What was the speech like, you know, with Coach Werner, Coach Crudup? Like, well, my bad, Chud, Coach Judd, what I'm talking about. Uh what changed? What did you guys talk about at halftime to say, hey, we need to do this, we need to do that with the offense that actually made us come back? <laughs> you probably didn't think anything changed when we came out in the third quarter because I mean, halfway through the third, it was, <laughs> it was true. Like, uh, didn't you throw a pick no, like right when you right after halftime? I think you threw you, – I think you were picked off, and that's when the boo bird started yeah. and all that. Yeah, I think that's when everybody was ready to just send me back to Florida at that point. Um <laughs> And, you know, I, I don't, I don't really think it was, it was much, there wasn't a whole lot of rah-rah at halftime. I think it was more, hey guys, you know, let's, 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 let's get back to our plan and let's, let's, let's do, you know, 
we've been practicing all, all week long. You know, we, we, we just honestly, we, we kicked ourselves in the butt the whole first half. We had some, some dumb turnovers, um, and we just never could get in sync. Um, after I mean, you thought the way it started out, it has to run it, you know, one back, and here we go, you know, we're off to the races, and then all of a sudden, we, we you know, we can't get our defense off the field. They're tired. Um, and then and then we kind of come out in the third quarter and we're still kind of sputtering around. But I think the moment it changed um, was we said, all right, forget the game plan. We're going two minute and we're going to rock this thing out and, you know, let's roll. And, and, I, and there was just something that clicked at that at that moment. Um, and we get in two minute and we we drive down and we score. And and at that moment, I don't know if anybody in the stands were thinking this, but that offense, our offense just kind of said, okay, you saw what we just did in about two minutes, three minutes, whatever it was. We know we can do that because, I mean, we've been doing that all summer long. We love doing our two-minute stuff, seven on seven. And uh, and that's kind of when the things just kind of started to – let me, okay, let me ask you this because you you mentioned the two minute, and I think this is the most frustrating thing from fans. And you know, just me being on the sideline as an outsider, not knowing anything about the game plan or anything about the offense, I would just ask myself, like, why don't we keep Brock in the shotgun? Because he looks a lot more comfortable and he looks a lot better in that. Why don't we just say that? Keep that. Is that kind of how the two minute offense is with you in the shotgun? And did you ever question why you guys didn't run more shotgun because it looked like you were more comfortable? Well, I, I think, you know, we, I think everybody kind of was the, you know, our offense was built. I think that, that we um, were just more productive in the spread um, and we were able to utilize everybody um, um, and, and do a lot more things. And I think that showed, you know, multiple times when we did that, um, what, you know, throughout many games throughout the season and then going into the, you know, our, our, our next season, um, you know, you could see that as well because when 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 Dan took over um, and we started doing a little bit more spread stuff and less pro style stuff, we you know we moved the ball you know up and down the field. So, I don't, you know, I think that um, it was just something that that our guys were really comfortable with, and and when we got our and, and a lot of times we got our backs pushed against the wall, you know. Uh, we kind of played a little bit better, and uh, that's, that's just kind of how it was. So it wasn't so much that Brock's more comfortable in the gun. It was more of a of the offense. Everybody's more comfortable in the spread as opposed to, you know, because there was all, all that talk. Brock's more comfortable. He's a little bit – he's not as tall as Ken. It's easier for him to see. He can read the defense easier. It was more of just a, 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 a an offense as a whole being more comfortable using that scheme and and using the plays that are called out of that scheme. Yeah, I think so. I, I just think that you know, I mean, look at look at today's style of play. Um, you see all. I mean, who would ever thought in the NFL you'd see guys in the gun yeah. all the time? Um, and there's you, as a you know, to me, you can see things a, a little bit better. Um, um, I wouldn't say, you know, people always talk about a six-six quarterback versus a six-one guy. You know, I don't think Peyton Manning sees better than Drew Brees because it's you're seeing through lanes as a quarterback. You don't see, you know, a six-six guy is not seeing over a six-ten left tackle, right? So it may come to a little bit of advantage certain times, 
but you're seeing through lanes. Um, but it's it's just that the spread is just it's a little bit more difficult on a defense to you know I, I really I really truly believe that. And if you've got the, the weapons outside, you've got the guys that you can do some things with, which which we did. Um, and again, at that time, that spread was not where it is today. It's not. It wasn't the popular thing to do. You know, I mean, I think you had Spur that was doing it. You had um, you had the the, the guy. Uh, Texas Tech, Leach, you know, guys like that doing stuff. and, and But it wasn't really the popular thing to do. Um, and and so I think guys just, you know, we can do a lot of things out of the spread, and that's what, that's kind of what we did. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Brock, Brock you, you played with some greats, both offense and defense. I mean, one of your teammates is still running around in the NFL or possibly still running around in the <laughs> NFL. We'll see what happens uh, this season if he gets picked up, and hopefully he does, in Frank Gore. But also on the defensive side, I mean, Vince Wilfork, Sean Taylor, um, all of the, you know, on offense, Kellen Winslow, Antro Roll also on the other side. Did you realize at that time when you came on campus, did you, because you also transferred in, so it may give you a different perspective. Did you realize at that time, wow, I'm with some great, players or did it sink in years later seeing them in the nfl and probably a couple in the hall of fame no you 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 knew um and brian can tell you i mean when you step on the field and there's a stud out there i mean you you know man it's kind of like okay this guy can play um it doesn't take long to see that for me you know to to really understand what we had on defense you know I got to run the scout team versus those guys for a whole year um, when I redshirted. And so those guys, I mean, I, I feel like I, you know, give so much credit to those guys for getting me prepared for the next year. Cause I had to face them every single day. Um, and, um, and, and so, you know, when you, when, when you got talent, I mean, Sean Taylor back there, I, mean, I watched him make plays, you know, on, in practice. And, you know, I'm trying to look him off and pump him one way and let's go another way. And he's, he's doing things that, that, that are just freakish, you know? And, um, and, and so, yeah, it's, it was one of those teams that, that you kind of, I wouldn't say you got used to it. Um, but you sit there and look and go, man, we're surrounded by some, some greatness here. Um, and, and I guess you really don't appreciate it until you're gone and you start, you know, now, you know, I'm an old man now here and I look back and I'm, you start seeing some of these old videos of your old teammates and, and some of the things I'm like, golly, you know, um, really blessed to be around a lot of great, great football players. I, I you know, I, I also think of so many great games you played in. I mean, obviously we talked about the Florida game, but the rain, that game in the rain and at, at FSU, uh, the Orange Bowl game, beating FSU, what, three times in less than a calendar year, I think it was, or something like that. Yeah. What, what game stands out to you or what, or what, you know, what was that FSU rivalry like? You knew it from the Gator side. Was it any different from the Miami side or, or, or basically same sort of feeling? Yeah, it was, I mean, to me, it was more um, Miami, FSU, there's, there's, there's a, it's more of a kind of respect, I guess. With Florida, it was more of kind of a hatred. I don't know how to really explain yeah. that. Um, 
And and you knew that Florida State game at Miami, it didn't matter if, you know, both teams were 8-0 going to the game. One was 1-8 and and the other one's 8-0. You better bring it because it's going to be a bloodbath and it's going to be a war all the way to the end. And it was really just a college, it was, it was a college rivalry that, um, you know, for us, you know, to be a part of that was just special. It really was because, I mean, it's, there were a lot of special games, you know, I think probably the two, my, my two most memorable games at, at, at Miami was, was probably the game against Florida, the one we just talked about. And then the, the Florida state overtime game, um, the first game of the season in 2004, um, when we came back and, and, and beat them there, um, you know, there was just – there's the feeling. I mean, Brian can tell you, when you step on the field against Florida State, it's just – it's another feeling. And it's something that you can't explain unless, you, unless you're unless you strapping it on and, and you're going out there. Um, but it's it's a lot of fun. And, and to be able to say, hey, we were – at my time there, we were 2-0 and against Florida and 3-0 and against Florida State. Um, I take a lot of pride in that, you know, when people say, hey, what's probably one of your greatest accomplishments there? I say, hey, to be 5-0 and in the state of Florida, um, that's saying something. Um, and so that's, that, was, that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, I remember being on the sideline up there when we, they, they actually had the trophy for the champion of the state state when we used to play the state of florida so i got to lug that trophy around for a day because my buddy was in charge of it so um that was kind of interesting too but brock you know as we talk about the new age now we're in this age of uh the transfer portal now you kind of were the beginning of the transfer portal you kind of transferred in the rules are a little bit different now but I, i guess one of the questions i have is when you got to miami how did the team receive you coming from another school yeah, you know the guys were great. Um, obviously, they they busted my balls a little bit, you know, for um, coming from Florida and, and whatnot, um, which I expected that. Totally expected that. If they didn't, you know, they weren't going to be good teammates. Um, but they they gave me gave me heck there for a little while. Um, but but the big thing, you know, like I said earlier, was I wanted to come in, keep my head down, and and work and and show guys that that. You know, I want to be a part of this team, and 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 grateful to be a part of this team, and and I think that they saw that um, that that I was there to, to be a Miami Hurricane, and and will be till I die, um, and so they 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 brought me in, made me part of the family, and uh, you know they they really did because you know it could have gone a couple different ways and whatnot, but they brought me in, made me part of the family really quickly, and and. You know, the rest is history. Well, we're glad they did because you turned out to do a pretty good job for them. So uh, they learned to respect <laughs> you just as quickly as you respected them. I mean, listen, it sounds good. I think the offense accepted them. But I don't know, man. We had some assholes on that defense, like Jerome McDougal. Like, we oh, had yeah. some dudes that I just feel like would give you hell. Like, okay, so I came as a freshman. We got Hayes. As a transfer, did you get Hayes? Did you have to shave your head? They did shave my head, yeah. Okay, I was yeah. going to say, man, I should have transferred then. You know, Can he sing? Oh, sh- yeah, you so. Yeah. We had Sonoris on last week, and I think I'm going to ask this every week to have a guest. And <laughs> he sang. That's his hidden talent, which he done yeah. amazing. He actually got a date off of uh, Twitter when we posted his his preview. <laughs> what is Brock Berlin's hidden secret or hidden talent? Man, I can cook some really good chicken wings. How about nice. that? I say, hey, listen, we all need some good chicken wings. Is that an invitation? Hey, yeah, y'all are more than welcome anytime. <laughs> I get on, hey, I get on that. I got a big green egg in my backyard. 
and I get out there, and and I tell you what, man, I think we have a road. Yeah, my chicken wings. Let's do it. It's just it's the real deal. Listen, if I if I if I come to Louisiana, I'm down with the chicken wings, but I need two things, and I keep seeing because I'm a foodie, so I love watching food, you know, network and all the crazy stuff. But obviously, crawfish, I gotta try that with all the different yeah. seasonings. And then what is it? A beignet? Is that how it's pronounced? A beignet? Beignet. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh yep. man, I'm a those fatty. <laughs> I I definitely got. I don't know where those are at, but I gotta be having some of those if I come to Louisiana. So Brock, if you come to Miami and you need to know where to go, where the hot restaurants are, Brian's your guy. He's got it down. Brian's on it. No, no. Listen, if Brock, if Brock comes in town, we're going to get some drinks. No, that's that's on that's on me. We good. Don't worry about that. Yeah, but I'm talking about food. Oh, food wise, I got you. I give you the best places wherever you want to go, whatever type of food, whatever type of scene, family friendly. Because I know you got some girls, so I'll make sure not to send you to the ones where your wife's gonna look at you and be like, "So this is yeah. what you were doing for three years of your life down here." I tell you what, I miss down there is my Cuban coffee, man. It's oh good, uh, man, con leche, man, come on, yeah. it's like crack down no, here. I know. Oh, you know what you would be smart is if you could convince some Cubans to move to Louisiana, open it up, be the investor, and get everybody addicted to it. See, there you go. I'm just saying. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. I like I like where your head's out there, Brian. Hey, listen. Right right now it's business. Most of the time it's in the clouds, but (laughs) we're trying to keep it straight here. (laughs) Well, listen, Coach uh, Coach Brock. I know you got to go and uh, coach the kids, coach the team right now. We want to tell you we appreciate you having us on. It was great chatting with you. Love the stories and stuff like that. Um, when you come back to Miami, let me know. Let us know. We'll get together for some drinks. No doubt. Hey, always good to catch up with you guys, man. Tell everybody to say hello and uh, go Canes. Take care, Thank Brock. you, Brock. Got Take you. care. Take it easy, Brock. See you guys. All right. Well, gentlemen, another great guest as we hit number 10. Lucky number 10? Was this lucky, lucky number, number 10? 10? Lucky Already? Number 10, yeah. Wow. Time flies. Was that 11? Is it 11? 11. Yeah. Oh. Pro- producer Embrick is saying that's number 11 right now. Well, that shows that we have Miami education because uh, <laughs> we can't count. We can't count. It shows that we were we were accept we were luckily accepted to Miami when it wasn't as good as it is now. Well, I wasn't a football scholarship, so trust me, I didn't need to get the grades that you guys had to get the grades to get into this school. I, I, I don't know if I'd get in now. But, oh, I definitely wouldn't get in. But uh, uh, no, I mean, great. You know, it's always fun talking to Brock because you get that perspective of of coming from from Florida. I mean, but Brian, you were in that locker room. Uh, there was a little tension there. A little. I, I, there was okay. There was a lot of tension there. We, right? we listen. There was obviously a lot of things we could have talked about. Right. You know, I wanted to get into some more, but he had to run because yep. you know I, I remember as a freshman, uh, you know, coming into this team, we're coming off of you know being a national champ, getting robbed in a national championship, having lost a regular season game in I don't know two years, thirty-seven straight, yeah, 37, 38 games, something right. like that, and you know we go to Virginia Tech, I believe it was, you know we get absolutely destroyed, thirty-one to seven, I think, uh, offense didn't really have a great um, uh, production performance, and I'm on the defensive bus, and you know we got studs in our defense, and don't you know don't mind speaking their mind. And I'm hearing some stuff where I'm like, okay, okay, I better not mess up because um, it sounds like they about to kill this dude. <laughs> so next week, we go and play Tennessee at home. I'll never forget that game. And, you know, we had lost a in-conference game, which ended the streak for Virginia Tech. We didn't lose a home game because now we got Tennessee or an out-of-conference game. And then we lost to Tennessee 10 to 7 or yeah. something like something weird. Well, I remember they ran a reverse on the goal line and scored. I'll never forget that. Something weird. So obviously, you know, defense did their job 10 points. Should be a win. And 
man, we had a meeting the next day. So we always have meetings. The next day we do a run. And Coach Swayze comes in, gives us the word of wisdom, breaks it down, and oh, we got some we got some music in the background. I mean, it's, I feel like I'm back on radio when the music starts playing. We got to go. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's all good. They just the want to give me some background music. Some ghosts in the building. <laughs> hey, listen, there could be some ghosts in here. Trust me on that. It's old enough. So we meet, and it's like, hey, does anybody want to get anything off their chest? And team I, meeting. This is outside. This is what just Swayze. Okay. We we just ran. But the whole team. The whole team. Right. We always run. After right. every game, you run. Right. If you win, probably not going to run as much. Right. When you lose, you run a little man, more. Man, Swayze is going to kill you. But there is one game that we won that Swayze killed us. Um, and all of a sudden, these dudes start speaking their mind. And I'm like, wow, this is intense. You had offensive dudes crying you know, passionately speaking about what this means to them. You had defensive dudes calling out offensive dudes. You had offensive dudes talking about, what's up, what you want to do then? I was like, oh, and I really I really thought at one point, you know, I don't feel like Kane's fans appreciated Brock enough because, yes, we were spoiled with Dorsey and stuff like that, and we were spoiled for those years, but you think about before Dorsey when we had those mid-90s. Oh, yeah. You know, we didn't have the best of years, and then when Brock left – we started going down. The guys were like, fans started, oh, can we get Brock back? And it's like, no, no, no. What y'all used to say, like, yeah. literally, Brock couldn't walk down the street at one point. People would scream at him, I'll kill you. You suck. Go back to Florida. You know, a lot of this stuff was, ex- I'm not going to say everything expressed in this meeting, but it went down. Like, I thought, I thought literally offensive defense was going to fight right there because it was serious. I mean, you know, I was on the defensive bus, and defensive dude's like, yo, I got this dude from – Wherever I'm from, whether it's, you know, Overtown, Liberty City, that's looking for Brock. Like, legit. I swear to God. I mean, it was. That's crazy. And as a scary. freshman, as a that's freshman, scary. you know, I'm a snot-nosed freshman. I just sit there with my eyes open like, oh, shit. This is for real. Because, I mean, we had some stuff that went down throughout the year that you wouldn't think happened in, in football locker rooms or outside of locker rooms where it was like, oh, yeah, we, we bought that life. And, man. <laughs> I would have loved to, you know, talk about it because I feel like that was it was a changing point as far as offensive defense really coming together. Because offensive defense really were do their own thing. Like, yo, offense, go score. We got this. And back then, our defenses were they were disgusting. I mean, you were lucky to put up 14 points on us, 21 points on us. And when you're losing a game 10 to 7, things uh but it br- but that meeting brought the team together for sure. I felt it br- it brought the offensive defense together, like as a whole, right. the team. Because defense they do their thing. Offense, you know, they, you know, when people always say like, oh, but that's your teammate, you don't hang out. Like there's a hundred dudes on the team, not everybody hangs out. Normally, offensive lines, they're those, they're the guys. They do their wings at Cake South or Flanagan's, and normally the quarterbacks go chill with them. Tight ends, you know, offensive dudes, receivers, hanger receivers, and the running backs. Defense. You know, D linemen, they're together, linebackers with, you know, sometimes secondary, but secondaries are like the goons on our team. Right. Everybody's like clicked up. Black shirts. You know, kickers and punters, we kind of try to get invited to stuff, but we never do. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, so we we sit on our own and we do our own thing. Uh, but, man, that 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 meeting was, if you talk to anybody that was on that 03 team, it was, holy shit. I mean, you're talking about dudes talking about, uh, man, I, what did he, he wanted to, you know, he's like, look, 
I bleed for this. I I would die for this. He goes, I almost died in these streets being a cane where I came from. Like, I commit suicide almost. I was like, oh, my God. Wow. What is going on? But that truly shows you what it means to be a Miami Hurricane and what, what a loss truly means. Like, I get it. Sometimes fans will say stuff or whatever, but they don't understand a lot of these dudes, where they come from, what this means to them, what they really put into it, you know, practice, you know, staying up late, studying, where they came from, what they escaped. It is, it's serious. It's it's real. And I don't know if that's still the same for this generation. I mean, we talk about it all oh, the it's, time. It's, it's always going to be that because you're always going to have people that come from hard right. walks of life that yeah. a lot of us won't understand. But the difference right now, it seems like, is that you talked about it. When you lost back in those days, everybody took it hard to the point, like you said, almost wanting to fight. Oh, no, there were some fights. Now, now we had a lot of fights. You look at the number of losses in the teams, and I don't know that it affects them the same way you guys were affected back in those days. I think it's because, my bad, I didn't no, mean to cut no, you off. No, and I think we, it's sad, but we've kind of gotten used to it. I was going to say, I don't think they're, they, they don't know greatness, though. Yeah. Right? right. The teams that are, the team that I was lucky enough to come on as a freshman. They're, some of those players are on the greatest team of all time. And they're so used to greatness and so used to this bar that, uh, I mean, listen, how long has it been since we've actually competed for a national championship? You know, some of these kids weren't even born. Right. So they don't really understand what greatness is. Yeah, you get the old heads that come and talk to them and they're an open book, whatever you want to know. But does it truly soak in and do they truly understand what it is to be great and play in those type of games to say, like, if we lose one game, we're not going to be in the national championship? Um, I just think it's completely different. And you know what? You can call me the old man on the porch. Society's changed. It's completely changed. Yeah. Like, you can't do anything to these kids anymore. Like, you come in there and try to chop somebody's head off, he's going to put it on social media, and the next thing you know, you're going to have some mom, and you're going to have the NCAA, oh, this is that, and this is that, I'm going to sue you. Like, you can't do that anymore. I mean, legit, we had fights. And what I mean, we had fights. Throw down in the middle of the locker room. If you had beef, let's go put up the circle. And dudes would throw hands. I'm talking about legit hands where you're like, oh, shit, I ain't saying nothing. In practice, there was a fight once a week. I swear, once a week. Dudes throwing hands. Melee. I, and saw, were the I saw many do? of them when they exactly. had open practices. It was, yeah. you know. And what were the coaches do? Like, in, when, when you throw it. Hey, you coaches, know. sit their ass on the sideline. Now, you, they're going to say something. One fight, no big deal. Right. If there's a couple and now it's messing up what we're trying to achieve, which yeah, is the no. game plan, right. then Coker's going to step in and cuss everybody out. Well, there, there was always a chant, right? What? What? Oh, yeah. In the locker room, and you know when Well, when, when that happens that, in the locker room, you know what's going down. Like, know. as a freshman, you hide. You're, like, looking around. <laughs> Where can I put the Which sheet over my head? Like, you know, you're just trying to, you know, just trying to move. And we had a fr- – there was a – it was called freshman day where we would be – you know, had to stay behind and talk to some academic advisor. And when we walked in there, it was pitch black. I'm like, ah, shit. Here we go. And I'm looking around, and next thing you know, a shoe just comes flying out of head. Bam! Hit a dude in the head. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And all these dudes, and I mean, these ain't small guys. No. These are not small dudes. And tape you up, leave you there, slap you on the belly, slap you on the back, like, you know, just make you feel like a freshman. But they also did it to see if you're going to fight back, stick up for your other freshmen. And I always, it's so funny to me because they would always go after the biggest dudes. You know, rest in peace, my dog, Brian Pata. Brian Pata was one of those guys, if you looked at him, you ain't messing with him. I remember when we were high school seniors, and I, I didn't know him at the time, 
we bought we all made the all state team and they made a magazine and on the front cover is Brian Pata, dreadlocks, gold teeth. And my mom goes, Yeah, that's gonna be one of your future teammates. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> but then I met him on our official visit and he's a mama's boy. And that's why we clicked, because I'm a mama's boy. He's a big softie when it came to his mom, which I loved. His mom is wonderful. Wonderful. But when you when you're talking about him in the locker room, he's a goon. What's up? What you wanna do? Right. And then that was it. That's all the older dudes needed. Sean, here comes Sean T. Here comes Big V. And I'm like, all right, Pat is a big dude as a freshman. Pat was huge. I mean, Pat was one of the few freshmen that actually logged time my freshman year. Um, him and Tyrone actually played. And next thing you know, Pat is gone. Pew. See ya. I'm like, God, I can't fight against it. I'm, okay, here we go. You just you stick up for your fellow freshmen. You get your ass whooped, you get your ass whooped, right. and you keep it moving. Those are great times. And that's great to think, you know, like sit back and, and laugh about it. When nowadays people find it like, you know, like you can't do that. That's mean. Like, no, that's what football's about. That's how you become real teammates and real freshmen in jail. I mean, you could tell the smile on your face telling these stories. And, it, and it's stories about you getting your ass kicked, but you're yeah. smiling about it, right? Uh, but you're right. I mean, hazing or however you want to define it, uh, for good reason in many situations, is uh, no longer allowed or, or whatever you want to call it. But to a certain extent, it, that's what creates that bond um, with you guys. That's why that's that's how you can trust the other when in the heat of the moment or or when the game's on the line or whatever it is. But yeah, I mean, listen, the, the hazing you hear from some of these, like I, I guess it's some teams, but it's mostly you hear the frat hazing. Yeah, and I think it was the band hazing that happened years yep. ago where someone passed away in the heat or something. Yep. But normally these frats are like you know drinking you know, crazy amount of alcohol when our hazing has nothing to do with alcohol or drinks. Right. Nothing of that. It's more of like to degrade you, make you feel like you're nobody, and see what you're going to do about it. Like you're going to shave your head. They're going to put something in your head. Like for me, I had a, you know, had a little mini fro. That was my thing. I had a little fro. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, uh, come on over here, freshman. Let me just, let me, let me put something in your hair. I'm like, oh, boy. And they shaved the middle of my head bald. And they left me like the dude from The Simpsons character <laughs> with just the, the hair sticking. You had to walk around the whole day like that. And it was embarrassing as hell. But... How many dates did you get out of that look? How many dates? Yeah. Well, thank God nobody was on campus. Oh, okay. That's the that's the one thing that we had going for us. It's the beginning of the summer right there. It's the beginning. It's the end of the oh, summer, yeah, right. in the beginning of training August, camp. Yeah. The only people that actually were on campus, and they came in probably a week after we started camp, was volleyball team. So they would do some hazing. And we would do some hazing. So they would make like a freshman go sing to a volleyball girl or go pr propose to her or the, you know, volleyball make them come sing to us or sit on a guy's lap and like flirt with him. So it was fun and stuff like that. Or we had to sing and then they had to do the beat on the table and then you would have to dance and they'd call up your nickname and you'd have to go down to the front of the room, sing, and they would boo the hell out of you just to embarrass you. Or you had to dance at your table. And I'm just like, God, this sucks, bro. But you know, you look back at it and you tell some of the funniest stories about who was awful at singing, me, uh, who was great, Sonoris that we had last week, some of the dance moves that people did, you know, like we had dudes doing the worm in the front of the room, <laughs> you know, and then you had people getting taped up and it's just, it's an awesome time. And I wish that they could get back into that as college football because truly they would love it. They really would love it because, yeah, you get your ass whooped, cool, no big deal because you're going to fight on the field. No matter what, you're going to fight. Yeah, as in long practice, as nobody gets hurt, injured, or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, from what I'm thinking in my head, 
I can only remember at least one kind of injury and nothing else. Where the player couldn't play that game? Yeah, but he was a walk-on, so it was all right. Okay, it didn't matter. He punched the helmet, but <laughs> I, I still didn't get how you punch that's helmets. That's like the first rule of football, right? Don't punch a helmet. Grab the helmet, get underneath the chin, <laughs> right. and be good to go. Or a body shot, and you're right. good. Right. But when you're in the heat of the moment, and I, I and I really didn't understand it because I was a punter you know, at first where sit on the sideline, huh? doop, 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 doop. hey, do some uh, seven on seven for us, scout team. Cool. When I actually became a receiver and actually go against the real DBs on our team, I see why dudes fought every day because this guy's holding you. You miss the ball because he's holding you. You know it's pass interference, but they're not calling it, and now you go back and your coach is ripping you, <laughs> and they rip you. So I remember one of the first times I was playing receiver. It was me and Ryan Hill, and he kept holding me, kept holding my jersey, my jersey. I'm like, yo, bro, get off my damn jersey because here's my coach ripping the hell out of me. So the next play, he, didn't help me. He, he wanted to hold me again. I swung, and we threw hands right there. And then I understood why these dudes do it because it's frustrating. 100 degrees out here. Yeah. This dude's holding you. You just want to hit him. So it was fun. <laughs> Wait, did he hold you again? Of course. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if he didn't, then he's not doing his job. Right, right. You know, but it's like we fight. We break it up. We get to the locker room. We squash it. Call it a day. I loved it. Damn. I'm old, but I would love to go back and do it. You should get into coaching, man. No, hell no. No. Hell no. No way no, in hell. It's, it's, well, one, it's a grind. the coach's lifestyle I would not want to do. Yep. You know, I had a coach, Coach Panunzio, my senior year. He'd been at like eight schools before us. I mean, there's no way I'm doing that. Yeah. You know, like, oh, Auburn. Oh, I'm going to this school. Oh, I'm going to this school across the country. Oh, And then he went from Miami. I think he was there for like three years, two years. Then he went to Alabama. He went to Alabama for a couple of years. Then he went to the Eagles. He went to the Eagles for a couple of years. Then he came back to Bama. And I still think he's at Alabama now. But, yeah, no, that lifestyle, nah. And then again, I'd want to punch one of these kids. <laughs> you know, before the show started, Lamar was in here. He'd be getting his hip checked out down the street. And we okay. were talking about the lifestyle of a coach. And, you know, he hasn't been coaching for a couple of years, but he's been home with his three daughters. And I said, see, that's the bright side of what happened. Because when you're a coach, you're missing birthdays, anniversaries, holidays with family and friends, Everything. the barbecues yeah. and stuff like that. So it really is a commitment, and it's sometimes a thankless commitment because, you know, you don't win every game, you well, fire him, get a new coach or whatever it is. But these guys spend a lot of hours and put a lot of effort into trying to win, win a football game for the fans, and it doesn't always work out. Yeah, and, you know, college football is different than the NFL, right? Because at least NFL, boom, season's over, got a break. Boom, free agency. I don't got to worry about that. That's the scouts. You guys go do your thing. I'm going to go chill over here. I don't have to worry about anything So many camp. College football is 24-7, 365 yeah, that, days. The month of July is about what they get That's off. all they get, right? Yeah, they get a little bit. And I feel like this year it they don't because bright. we have COVID and now all of a sudden it's crunch time. I feel like they have an unofficial visit from a recruit every single day that's been happening since the dead period ended. And I just – I look at it and I go, nah, it's not for me. I love it. I love giving back. You know, I've coached kids privately since I've retired. Um, and it's awesome to see them get better and then get a scholarship and take the next step. And you're just like, that's awesome. It feels great. But to do it for 24-7, to deal with what they have to deal with these kids and social media and how they come in with these egos since I got 30,000 followers. Now we got NIL coming. Nah, and, uh, hell no. Nah. I was slapped one of them. The portal. And, yeah. I mean, the portal, cool. You just hope that they, these kids would listen to some of these guys, especially like our staff. You know, you have – Ed Reed, Hall of Famer. You have Mike Rump, first-round pick. 
uh, big time football player coming out. DVD, um, draft pick, I think third or fourth round, one of the fastest forties to ever run at at, um, at Indy. You have dudes that legit have din- done it before, and all you have to do is soak it up and listen to them. I don't know if every you know coaching staff in America has that, but you would just hope some of these guys are coming here with these egos because it's going to happen. There's 110 kids on a team. There's going to be some guys with egos and just sit there and say, you know what? I know why he's yelling at me because he loves me and he wants me to get better. And it sucks. Listen, I had one of the worst coaches when it came to yelling at you and making you feel like you're itty bitty. That's coach Don Solinger. And now, you know, after a year or two of getting yelled at, I understood why he did it and you love him for it. But at first, you're like, yo, what's wrong with this dude? And I mean, we got dudes that cuss out coaches, want to fight coaches, and then you truly mature and say, damn, I'm the asshole because this guy actually cares for me and wants me to get better. I just feel like nowadays it's tougher with social media and how coaches really have to to be able to put their arm around them because you see all the time, like A.B. recording Coach Tomlin when he's giving a speech. You just have to feel afraid that there's always a mic or someone's recording right. is going to post it and expose yeah. you. You know that? It's tough. I mean, what these guys do, you know, Mike Rump came in here today. The hate that Mike Rump's gotten, you know, becoming a coach here is unbelievable on social media. It's it's sad. I'm like, yeah, he's not going to get every recruit. You can't. Like, he still gets a four-star kid here, and he's getting this guy drafted in the NFL. Like, come on. Relax. But Well, you, you can't sit there and they're part of the family, but when they don't do well, you, they're not part of the family. It's just, well, it's hey, just listen, not the right way to we, do it, man. We, we all been through that before. I what remember, have you done for me lately? I mean, that's Listen, that's I remember, you is. know, had a bad punt. Boy, I'm so glad social media wasn't around for that. Man, because you could just get it walking down the street. Oh, yeah. Man, you suck, Monroe. And then my mom, being in the stands, <laughs> the story she would tell, it was hilarious because my mom doesn't look like me. So no one thinks she's the black punter's mom. So the stuff she would tell me after, the, like not after the game, but later on, hey man, it's it, it's tough. Uh, it's tough. No, I've sat in many family sections or around coaches' wives and stuff like that, and you, you just shake your head sometimes, saying, you know, dude, you get, you know, the old saying, if you have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I mean, we all get emotionally oh, tied into sure. the game. But some of it just takes it a little bit too far. Hell yeah. And, and I, I've said this for many years. I've never met a player or a coach that didn't want to win every single game. I mean, listen, every athlete wants to win. The percentages of athletes that are just doing it for X, Y, and Z reasons is so small you couldn't pick them out. Like everybody – and nobody likes to be a loser. No. Like I would love somebody to point me out somebody that says, ha, I can't wait to be a loser right. today. Like, Let's come lose on. one for the Gipper. Yeah, no, everybody's out there putting in countless hours, waking up early – grinding, sweating, bleeding, just to go out there and win, make their family proud, make their teammates proud, make their coaches proud, and make the fans proud of what they've done. And all of a sudden you do great, and then all of a sudden you do have one bad play and you're the worst. I say, yo, why don't you put yourself in this 18-year-old kid's shoe, 21-year-old kid's shoe? You loved him two weeks ago. He makes one bad play. By the way, your worst times at your job aren't broadcast for the world. Unfortunately, this 21-year-old kid, his worst time is broadcast for the world. And most of them have never played a snap. Ever. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Right. Not one snap at any level. (laughs) Ever. Well, listen, the ones that talk the most, in my opinion, when I go on social media like Twitter, I love just reading the conversations. It's normally the guy that was like, 
third team all district in like Wisconsin. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Like on JV. On JV class 1A. It's, I mean, I, I get a great laugh and I understand that I'm older now and, you know, you see it. But, you know, fans, hey, by the way, if a dude has a bad play, give him some slack. Yeah. You don't got to go in his DMs. He's probably going to be his toughest critic. He's probably going to hear it anyways from a family member that's outspoken. Yeah. He doesn't hear it from every fan that, hey, he dropped the ball. By the way, he knows he dropped the ball. He's going to know when he's 40 years old, he dropped the He'll ball. always remember it. Or he had a bad play or he missed the block. Like, you know, there's... Hey, listen, there's plenty of times that I want to yell at the screen at certain players, but I'll never come out of mouth and, and, no. and say a name. Well, you know, I go back to when uh, Vinny Testaverde got inducted into the UM Hall of Fame. He didn't show up. What? And I asked Coach Davis, I go, Butch, you know, and he goes, you know, he feels that a lot of fans just don't like him for what happened in the Fiesta Bowl. In, in w- one game. Right. In and, one and, game. And here's a Heisman Trophy winner. But the point goes back to is, is that they're out there trying to win for us. If we're going to be a team like you guys are on the field, offense and defense getting together, you know, we're going to have to suck it up. When you lose, we're going to be there for you when we win. And it's real easy to follow and love a player or a team when they're winning, but you're a real fan when you stick up for that team when they're losing. And that's the difference. And today you just don't see as many fans. And, I, and that's not really true because the people that are on talk radio in the old days or now on social media – that's a small minority for the people that just don't say anything. They're going to support you, win, lose, or draw. Whoever you play, they're at the game. They're supporting the team. But it really is, me personally, some of the social media has taken some of the enjoyment out of watching the team play, or you just get frustrated because you're saying these people don't understand. They don't know the truth. They don't know all the background, but they're going to just – you know, fire this coach, fire that coach. Like, we have an endless budget. We can just replace coaches like we change our clothes. It's just not quite that easy. It really isn't. Hey, the one thing I always tell fans is that college football is like riding a wave or a roller coaster. There's ups and downs. Because you know what? By the way, no team's going to be great every single year. There's going to be teams that have a four-year window, a five-year window where they're great. And then there's going to be teams where they suck for two years. And Except then they for get Alabama. Back. Well, okay, give me an example. <laughs> when I played in school... Alabama sucked. No, right, right. No, I'm kidding. You know what? Oh, it, Alabama didn't become good until Saban was there. And then what? In the early 90s, I think, they yeah. were really good as well. Yeah. And they had a big old gap where half of their fan bases didn't talk about Alabama football. Yeah. They didn't do no Roll Tide anymore. Right. They stuck to talking to their cousins and everything else that they do over there and not seeing their dentist. <laughs> but that's for a different story. Um, Florida. I'll give you a good example since we talked to Brock Berlin tonight. Florida fans. I'm like, yeah, you guys had your Tebow years. Cool. In the time that Tebow played, you guys have had two four-win seasons. Name the last time Miami ever won four games. You can't. So, yeah, you guys had your little time. We had our time, too. But don't tell us, oh, God, we've been that much better. We play in the SEC. You had four wins, and you lost to Georgia Southern in one of those times. Get out of here with that. Like, four wins? Florida State won a championship in 2013. Haven't had a winning season in how long? 2017? 2018? They're going through it right now. Every fan base goes through it. I would love to say in the next couple of years, we'll be competing for a national championship. I don't know. It's been a long time since we said that. We've had one good season in 2017. Hopefully this year, this team can take the next step. I hear from all the young guys, they're doing the right thing. We got this. Okay. Prove an old grouchy man wrong. Let's see it. Let's see it. All right, Canes fans. believing. Until next time on All Canes radio podcast listen if you like what you hear hit the like button the subscribe button on you know apple or i don't know how it works spotify and stuff like that and leave us a review on apple uh, uh podcast if you listen to that 
five stars hopefully you know like uber five star five star um and you know we'll, we'll keep bringing on great guests we'll have another one for you guys next week uh for everybody out there stay dry it's wet enjoy your weekend or week i'm gonna enjoy both you always do sometimes sometimes i mean listen if i'm gonna complain who's gonna care i care you care about me i do that touches me i appreciate that thank we're, you so we're much we're a family here i'll You're listen right. i'm not sure i care but i'll listen Okay. Well, <laughs> that sounds like plot. That's, an, right, that's an attorney talking for you, you know? Talk to you next time. See you later. We out.